If you turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 7 again, more reason to believe what we're singing. There's a, there's a basis for our hope. There's a basis for our faith. There's a basis for these things that, we, that we're talking about when we speak of Jesus. And this morning, as we look in the Gospel of Mark, we recognize that the reason Mark wrote these things down was to help us understand who Jesus, the Son of God, is. What we should expect from him. Why we can praise him like we do. And last week we uh, were looking earlier in chapter 7 at a passage that placed Jesus up in a, in a Gentile area in the, in the western part of Palestine. And he spoke there to a, a Gentile woman and reminded her that his, that his first priority was to save the children of Israel. But that did not exclude his also coming to save the Gentiles. And this next section that we're going to start reading this morning um, from verse 31 um, helps us see part of that mission to the Gentiles. Verse 31, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee. And that was, again, about a 40-mile walk. So this wasn't just... Uh, Snap, snap, all right? And, uh, and remember, um, when this was taking place, uh, there, there wasn't a, uh, a greenway um, that, was, that was nice and flat and smooth for him to get there. This was a, this was a haul, all right? As he gets to, down to the Sea of Galilee and then into the region of the Deca- Decapolis, which is on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. So not even to the first place that he gets to, but he keeps on going, probably another 10 or 20 miles um, into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought a man to him who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Epaphthra. That's a tough word. That's, I don't know exactly how he said that, but it's tough. Which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the dumb speak. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they'll collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, But where is this in this remote place? Can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. And some of you remember back to another story very similar to this. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were present, and having sent them away, he got into a boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, 
Why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them and got back into the boat and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And then I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000. How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? Do you still not understand? How many of you this week, sometime or another, caught yourself fretting over something? Some of you were maybe confessing that worry, that anxiety, that anxiousness. You may have been confessing that as we were singing praise this morning. And I recommend that, by the way, as you're singing praise together and the Lord brings something to mind, a sin like worrying or other things, as he brings those to mind as you're worshiping him, take that time to to confess it even as you're worshiping. It's a great thing for us to do. He's given us that opportunity. He says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he knows we need that. But have you been worrying? Have you been fretting? And in most of our cases, I'm assuming that you're like me And the answer is yes. And I want to ask with Jesus, as he asked his disciples, do you still not understand? Who have you been with for these past few days? Now, in this case, his disciples were with him and crowds of mostly Gentiles. This was a very uncomfortable situation for them. Remember, we talked last week about the big divide between Jews and Gentiles and how uncomfortable it was for them to be in each other's presence. Well, you remember the first time, back in Mark 5, the first time that Jesus was in the area of the Decapolis, he didn't have a large crowd, but he did cast a demon out of this, of this man and told that man to go and tell his friends what he had done for him. Unusual for Jesus. Usually he said don't, as he did in this case. Usually he said don't because he wasn't trying to draw a big crowd. But Jesus goes back to the Decapolis and immediately comes across this man who has friends and relatives that would love to see him healed. And somehow they knew, and that somehow was through the demoniac that had been delivered, they knew that Jesus had the power to do it. And so Jesus does it. Now, there's just this one extra little point I want to remind us of. Did you notice they even told Jesus how to do it? Put your hand on him. They probably heard that Jesus put his hand on the demoniac when he cast that demon out. But I love the fact that Jesus doesn't do it that way. Rarely does Jesus do things the same one time after another. If we would if we would take time right now, and it would take a while, so we're not going to, but if we would, if we would take time right now to have everybody share their story about how they came to Jesus, do you know how many stories there would be? A different one for every single person. He didn't do it the same way for any of us. 
but he did it for all of us, all of us who believe, that is. And so in, in this case, he does it in a new way. And some of you are gagging right now by the way he did it. Because if you're a germaphobe at all, you're thinking, no. Then you think about it. Wait a minute. These are the germs of the Son of God. It's not so gross. It's not so bad. But how intimate could Jesus get with this Gentile man? To let him know that he did have compassion on him, that he did love him, and he was willing to do what it took to help that guy out. But remember, it isn't even just about him helping that guy out. It's continuing to to give them the, the message, to help them understand who this is that's in their midst. And they got the message. And they couldn't stop talking about him. To the point that the crowd got even bigger. And it's, it's one of those crowds that won't go away. They're out there for three days. The people just keep coming and coming as the word gets out. He's out here. He's back. And then he finds they're in a very, very similar situation. And his disciples don't pick up on it. They, they say the very same thing in this case that they did the last time this happened. And so Jesus does what he does. Asks if they have anything, they've got some stuff, and he takes it from there. And it's no accident that he says they ate and were satisfied. He didn't just give them a little appetizer. He gave them all a meal. He gave them what they needed to get them back home. And for some of them, it was a long, hard walk back home. And he gave them what they needed. The uh, Pharisees, not at the right place at the right time. And even if they had been, they, they wouldn't have recognized this as a sign from heaven. But Jesus, frustrated with them, said, Enough, you guys. There's no, there's going to be no sign for you. Now, Jesus has given signs. That's, that's, that's almost all he's doing these days is giving signs. But they're not paying attention. They're not interested. Remember what Jesus said when those same Pharisees, may not have been the exact ones, but the same kind of guys. You remember what they said when they, when they caught him hanging out with Matthew and his buddies? Sinners. They said, why are, you, why are you staying with them? Why are you spending time with them? He said, well, a doctor doesn't come to people who are well. He comes to the sick. He said, I haven't come to call the righteous to repentance. I've come to call sinners. See, these Pharisees that were calling for a sign, they already thought they had everything they needed. They didn't need Jesus. They didn't need what Jesus came to offer, forgiveness of sins, the salvation of their souls, the gift of eternal life. They thought they had everything on their own. He said, for you, there's no sign. And then they get back in the boat. And this is, this is a great picture of the of just the kind of stuff that went on with these guys. They were just regular guys. And when you get 12 guys together over an extended period of time, you're going to see some funny stuff. It, it almost doesn't matter which 12 guys. But in this case, we've got these guys. And Jesus starts, starts teaching them about the experience they had with the Pharisees, and it just goes right over their heads. He says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. That yeast, remember, he's already explained, is their hypocrisy. But they're thinking yeast, yeast, bread. Oh, no, he knows. He knows that we forgot the bread. Who was supposed to bring the bread? Matthew, what were you supposed to bring? No, we don't have any bread. We just got this one loaf, and now we got to face him. We got to, you know. He says, why are you guys talking about bread? 
Haven't I taught you enough about bread? And then he, then he re, just recounts the stories. Now, a lot of people like to get into the numbers of the story here. I think 5,000, five loaves, 12 baskets full left over. And those are, those are good, big Jewish numbers. And he did that with a Jewish crowd. And so people are saying he came to save the Jews, which he had been talking about entire with the, with the woman. So there's, that's possible. Five, you know, five's a big number for the, for the Jews in the, in the, the Pentateuch is five books. The law was given in that Pentateuch. So that, that points to them, the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 baskets. Okay. And then the, 4,000 people, and they think he's in the Gentile territories now. He's among the nations, the four corners of the earth. And seven, the, 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 the number of, com, of completion, of perfection, he's, he's going to keep teaching and, and, and bring to perfection not just the Jewish people, but, but everybody. And there's seven loaves left, and there were seven cities of the Canaanites that were, that were Gentiles. And these are all descendants of them. All these, there's all these kind of things you can do with these numbers. But I don't even think that's the big deal. I think the big deal is he's saying, we had a lot of bread left over, you guys. A lot of bread. Twelve baskets full and four baskets full. And, and don't even, I mean, excuse me, and seven baskets full. That's not even um, a smaller amount because these, these were even, the word here is the bigger baskets. A lot was left. Don't you guys know, I got the bread thing covered for you. You don't have to worry so much about the bread. We don't have to worry so much about the bread. Now, he he hasn't done this in front of us. He's done this in front of us. That's why we place such a high priority on continuing to look into the pages of this book. This is for us. Oh, it's been for a lot of people over the last 2,000 years, but this is for us. This gives us the information that we need to sing our songs of praise to God for what he's going to do for us, even when we're in the valley. This, this is a book of people in the valley. From, from page one to the end, people are in the valley. People are going through it. People are confused. And sometimes when we read it, and some of you are, are, are already well behind in your, in your 2023 plan. But again, I'll quote Richard Howe, who pray for him, by the way, as he's trying to recover from something he picked up at one of his conferences. Um, remember, if you're behind in January, you've still got a long time to catch up. So don't give up. All right? Keep at it. Keep reading. But as we read his word, we find over and over and over again. Didn't we see it in First Kings this morning as Mark read? What's that all about? Is he just doing that once for this one guy and for this one woman and her her son? No. He keeps doing that. Again, there's never another story just like that one. He doesn't do it just like that. But over and over and over again, he heals. Over and over and over and over again, he supplies. Constantly, we can't read many pages of this at once without him, without seeing him do something like this. He takes care of us in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember what he said. Don't worry. Don't worry. Look at the birds of the air. I'm taking care of them. Look at the flowers. I'm taking care of them. I'm giving them beauty. You don't have to worry. And then he makes the comment. The Gentiles worry about that stuff. 
the people who the people who don't know anything about me, who aren't expecting me, they worry about that stuff. You don't need to worry about that stuff. You seek first the kingdom of heaven. And all these other things will be added to you as well. The stuff that you need. It's going to be okay. Don't you understand? Don't you see what I've been doing? As you read his word, don't you understand? Oh, sometimes we are so much like those disciples. We can read it and it just right over our head. And in some cases, it goes over our head so much that we just quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Keep reading it. Keep seeing the way he provides. Keep seeing the way that he supplies. I was reading this week about the Lord's visitation to Abram and Sarai. Do you remember that story? The three angels come, and one of them, the angel of the Lord, probably the Lord Jesus, pre-Bethlehem. Amazing. And he tells them, hey, this time next year I'll come by here and Sarah's going to have a baby. (laughs) Abram thinking about himself. And Sarah, she said, that is not happening. And what did the angel say? Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. That wasn't just for her. That statement, that was for us. That was for all of us who read this word. Nothing is impossible for God. He's going he's gonna to provide somehow. He's going to take care of us somehow. He's going to do this. He gives us this so that we can know that, so that we can face whatever we've got to face. We don't know, we don't know what that's going to be. Some of us are facing some stuff right now that nobody else knows about. God knows about it. He... We, we sang it this morning. He's not late. He is right there. He is right there with you. If you believe in him, he's in you. And he is in you right now for this very purpose. Not only is he going to live up to his, his contract with us, as Bill mentioned, Bill Thompson mentioned this morning, the down payment that once we believe in the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into us partly as a down payment reminding us that we're going to have eternal life. But he does something else beyond being a down payment for us. Beyond reminding us that we have eternal life, he also ministers to us in our need to help us through. You saw in one of the songs this morning, we had the verse set up here, Romans 8, 28. For we know that in all things God works together for good for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. He does this. This is what he does. This is for us. This is not just for these these very special people. Remember, these very special people, They were people just like us. We're just like those disciples. I can't believe we forgot the bread. We just had seven baskets full. And we forgot the bread. That's just like us. It's just like our comedies that that are going on around in our in our homes and in, in groups of friends. Don't you understand? I've got this. I've got this. And remember, he's got this for everybody who believes. First for the Jews, we saw that last week. But also for the Gentiles. And aren't we glad? Aren't we glad that even though when the angel came to Joseph to announce the the naming of the son said, you're calling, you're going to call him Jesus. You don't get to choose. You don't get to get the name book out and, and all that kind of stuff. You're naming him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Again, specifically talking about the Jewish people, but praise God. He went way, way further than that. As the old Testament promised, he would, all the way back to the to the first promise to Abram. He said, through your seed, I will bless all the nations of the world. And here we are this morning. 
maybe 3,000, 3,500 years, 4,000 years later from that, we're here today blessed by the seed of that man, Abram. Because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and he opened it up for everybody. Everyone, he says, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so it doesn't matter where we came from. It doesn't matter what our bloodline is. It doesn't matter what our parents did for a living. It doesn't matter if we were rich or poor. It doesn't matter if we're male or female. It doesn't matter if we're young or old. It doesn't matter what language we speak. It doesn't matter if we speak with our mouths or speak with our hands. It doesn't matter. He says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everybody. No matter what. No matter who. No matter how. He did this for us. And this is a loud statement of it. Doing the work that he did in the Decapolis. This area of ten towns on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. Some a little bit north and some a little bit south. These towns that were built, started, they were started by the, the ministry of Alexander the Great in providing a place for people to live in the Palestine area that didn't want to live with the Jews because they were really weird. To the Greeks, the Jews were really weird. And they, and they were appalled by the practice of circumcision. Appalled. And they didn't want to live with them. So, they, so Alexander the Great started making other towns for Gentiles to live in in the area. And then it continued, even in the Roman Empire, where these ten towns were built up. Totally different from Israel. Totally different from the Jewish people. But Jesus goes there on purpose anyway. And it's a reminder of his reach. His his wide, wide reach. And it's not just for people like us here in America. As, As Ron Hagler mentioned in Praise to God, for the way that the Lord blessed us so that we could bring offerings to Midway Community Church, that we can also be involved in continuing to reach people all around the world, Jews and Gentiles alike. We get, we're, we get to still be a part of this ministry that Jesus himself started. To, the, to the, some of the hardest to reach places some of the most difficult places in the world. We have opportunity to be a part of that through our giving and through our praying and sometimes even through our going. His reach continues to be broad. That's why we continue to give. That's why we continue to pray. And that's why we continue to give thanks to God for this blessing of being included in his body, in his family, even though we're Gentiles. It does not matter. It doesn't stop us. And so praise God this morning. Do we understand? Do do we get it? Well, remember, we're not going to keep getting it. We're going we're gonna to be just like the disciples. Remember, they're, they're given as examples for us. We're, we're going to get confused again. But do we get it this morning? Yes, he will take care of us. He is God. He lives in us. And he not only wants to save us, he wants to take us through and turn everything that happens in our lives into something good to make us more and more like his son, the Lord Jesus. He has this, whatever it is. It's not always easy. It's not always pain-free. But he has this. He will do what he said he will do. He can do it because of who he is, and he will do it. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, help us to beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Help us to believe in you. And help us to live it.
not for show, not for attention, not for our reputation, but, Father, for your glory. Help us to live what we believe, and that includes trusting you for everything. Thank you for showing yourself to be worthy of our trust. Thank you for giving us such a big book with so many stories that remind us of your faithfulness to your people. You know those of us who are doubting that right now. Not your faithfulness to your people in the book. Your faithfulness to us, to me. And so we worry. Help us to understand. Grow our faith as we read your word, as we discuss it together, as we share it. Grow our faith that we will believe. That we won't get caught worrying about the bread. But that we'd recognize that you can handle this, whatever it might be. And Father, for any who are here this morning or with us online who don't know you, who don't have this confidence that you expected your disciples to have and that you expect us to have because they don't have faith in you yet, we pray that you would give them that faith, that you would give them that courage, that wisdom to say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I need you. I need you to forgive me. I need you to guide me. I need you to make my life count for you. Help me. Heavenly Father, help them realize that you will save every single one of us who call out to you. Give them that faith to do so. And Father, for those of us who have that faith, even if it's just as small as a mustard seed, thank you. Thank you for being who you are, for living in us, and for promising to give us everything that we need and that you'll turn everything into good as you grow us into the image of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray this morning. Amen. Well, the praise team is going to come now. We're going to sing one more song of praise to this worthy God. If you turn your Bibles to... Mark chapter 7 again. More reason to believe what we're singing. There's a, there's a basis for our hope. There's a basis for our faith. There's a basis for these things that, we, that we're talking about when we speak of Jesus. And this morning as we look in the Gospel of Mark, we recognize that the reason Mark wrote these things down was to help us understand who Jesus, the Son of God, is. What we should expect from him. Why we can praise him like we do. And last week we uh, were looking earlier in chapter 7 at a passage that placed Jesus up in a a Gentile area in in the western part of Palestine. And he spoke there to a a Gentile woman, and reminded her that his, that his first priority was to save the children of Israel. But that did not exclude his also coming to save the Gentiles. And this next section that we're going to start reading this morning um, from verse 31 um, helps us see part of that mission to the Gentiles. Verse 31, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee. And that was, again, about a 40-mile walk. So this wasn't just uh, snap, snap, all right? And, uh, and remember, um, when this was taking place, uh, there, there wasn't a, uh, a greenway um, that, was, that was nice and flat and smooth for him to get there. This was a, this was a haul, all right? as he gets down to the Sea of Galilee, and then into the region of the Decapolis, which is on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. So 
not even to the first place that he gets to, but he keeps on going, probably another 10 or 20 miles um, into the region of the Decapolis. There, some people brought a man to him who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Epathrathra. That's a tough word. That's, I don't know exactly how he said that, but it's tough. Which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the dumb speak. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they'll collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, But where is this in this remote place? Can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. And some of you remember back to another story very similar to this. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were present, and having sent them away, he got into a boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them and got back into the boat and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And then I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000. How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? Do you still not understand? How many of you this week, sometime or another, caught yourself fretting over something? Some of you were maybe confessing that worry, that anxiety, that anxiousness. You may have been confessing that as we were singing praise this morning. And I recommend that, by the way, as you're singing praise together and the Lord brings something to mind, a sin like worrying or other things, as he brings those to mind as you're worshiping him, take that time to, con- to confess it even as you're worshiping. 
It's a, it's a great thing for us to do. He's given us that opportunity. He says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he knows we need that. But have you been worrying? Have you been fretting? In, in most of our cases, I'm assuming that you're like me. And the answer is yes. And I want to ask with Jesus, as he asked his disciples, do you still not understand? Who have you been with for these past few days? Now, in this case, his disciples were with him and crowds of mostly Gentiles. This was a very uncomfortable situation for them. Remember, we talked last week about the big divide between Jews and Gentiles and how uncomfortable it was for them to be in each other's presence. Well, you remember the first time, back in Mark 5, the first time that Jesus was in the area of the Decapolis, he didn't have a large crowd, but he did cast a demon out of this, of this man and told that man to go and tell his friends what he had done for him. Unusual for Jesus. Usually he said don't, as he did in this case. Usually he said don't because he wasn't trying to draw a big crowd. But Jesus goes back to the Decapolis and immediately comes across this man who has friends and relatives that would love to see him healed. And somehow they knew, and that somehow was through the demoniac that had been delivered, they knew that Jesus had the power to do it. And so Jesus does it. Now, there's just this one extra little point I want to remind us of. Did you notice they even told Jesus how to do it? Put your hand on him. They probably heard that Jesus put his hand on the demoniac when he cast that demon out. But I love the fact that Jesus doesn't do it that way. Rarely does Jesus do things the same one time after another. If we would if we would take time right now, and it would take a while, so we're not going to, but if we would, if we would take time right now to have everybody share their story about how they came to Jesus, you know how many stories there would be? A different one for every single person. He didn't do it the same way for any of us. But he did it for all of us, all of us who believe, that is. And so in, in this case, he does it in a new way. And some of you are gagging right now by the way he did it. Because if you're a germaphobe at all, you're thinking, no. Then you think about it. Wait a minute. These are the germs of the Son of God. It's not so gross. It's not so bad. But how intimate could Jesus get with this Gentile man? to let him know that he did have compassion on him, that he did love him, and he was willing to do what it took to help that guy out. But remember, it isn't even just about him helping that guy out. It's continuing to to give them the, the message, to help them understand who this is that's in their midst. And they got the message. And they couldn't stop talking about him. To the point that the crowd got even bigger. And it's, it's one of those crowds that won't go away. They're out there for three days. The people just keep coming and coming as the word gets out. He's out here. He's back. And then he finds they're in a very, very similar situation. And his disciples don't pick up on it. They, they say the very same thing in this case that they did the last time this happened. And so Jesus does what he does. Asks if they have anything, they've got some stuff, and he takes it from there. And it's no accident that he says they ate and were satisfied. He didn't just give them a little appetizer. He gave them all a meal. He gave them what they needed. 
to get them back home. And for some of them, it was a long, hard walk back home. And he gave them what they needed. The uh, Pharisees, not at the right place at the right time. And even if they had been, they, they wouldn't have recognized this as a sign from heaven. But Jesus, frustrated with them, said, enough, you guys. There's, no, there's going to be no sign for you. Now, Jesus is given signs. That's, that's, that's almost all he's doing these days is giving signs. But they're not paying attention. They're not interested. Remember what Jesus said when those same Pharisees may not have been the exact ones, but the same kind of guys. You remember what they said when they, when they caught him hanging out with Matthew and his buddies, sinners? They said, why are you, why are you staying with them? Why are you spending time with them? He said, well, a doctor doesn't come to people who are well. He comes to the sick. He said, I haven't come to call the righteous to repentance. I've come to call sinners. See, these Pharisees that were calling for a sign, they already thought they had everything they needed. They didn't need Jesus. They didn't need what Jesus came to offer, forgiveness of sins, the salvation of their souls, the gift of eternal life. They thought they had everything on their own. He said, for you, there's no sign. And then they get back in the boat. And this is, this is a great picture of the of just the kind of stuff that went on with these guys. They were just regular guys. And when you get 12 guys together over an extended period of time, you're going to see some funny stuff. It, it almost doesn't matter which 12 guys. But in this case, we've got these guys. And Jesus starts, starts teaching them about the experience they had with the Pharisees, and it just goes right over their heads. He says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. That yeast, remember, he's already explained, is their hypocrisy. But they're thinking yeast, yeast, bread. Oh, no, he knows. He knows that we forgot the bread. Who was supposed to bring the bread? Matthew, what were you supposed to bring? No, we don't have any bread. We just got this one loaf, and now we got to face him. We got to, you know. He says, why are you guys talking about bread? Haven't I taught you enough about bread? And then he, then he re, just recounts the stories. Now, a lot of people like to get into the numbers of the story here. I think 5,000, five loaves, 12 baskets full left over. And those are, those are good, big Jewish numbers. And he did that with a Jewish crowd. And so people are saying... He came to save the Jews, which he had been talking about entire with the, with the woman. So there's, that's possible. Five, you know, five's a big number for the, for the Jews in the, in the, the Pentateuch is five books. The law was given in that Pentateuch. So that, that points to them, the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 baskets. Okay. And then the 4,000 people. And they think he's in the Gentile territories now. He's among the nations, the four corners of the earth. And seven, the, 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 the number of, com, of completion, of perfection, he's, he's going to keep teaching and, and, and bring to perfection not just the Jewish people, but, but everybody. And there's seven loaves left, and there were seven cities of the Canaanites that were, that were Gentiles. And these are all descendants of them. All these, there's all these kind of things you can do with these numbers. But I don't even think that's the big deal. I think the big deal is he's saying, we had a lot of bread left over, you guys. A lot of bread. Twelve baskets full and four baskets full. And, and don't even, I mean, excuse me, and seven baskets full. That's not even um, a smaller amount because these, these were even, the word here is the bigger baskets. A lot was left. Don't you guys know, I got the bread thing covered for you. You don't have to worry so much 
about the bread. We don't have to worry so much about the bread. Now, he, he hasn't done this in front of us. He's done this in front of us. That's why we place such a high priority on continuing to look into the pages of this book. This is for us. Oh, it's been for a lot of people over the last 2,000 years, but this is for us. This gives us the information that we need to sing our songs of praise to God for what he's going to do for us, even when we're in the valley. This, this is a book of people in the valley. From, from page one to the end, people are in the valley. People are going through it. People are confused. And sometimes when we read it, and some of you are, are, are already well behind in your, in your 2023 plan. But again, I'll quote Richard Howe, who pray for him, by the way, as he's trying to recover from something he picked up at one of his conferences. Um, remember, if you're behind in January, you've still got a long time to catch up. So don't give up. All right? Keep at it. Keep reading. But as we read his word, we find over and over and over again. Didn't we see it in First Kings this morning as Mark read? What's that all about? Is he, is he just doing that once for this one guy and for this one woman and her, and her son? No. He keeps doing that. Again, there's never another story just like that one. He doesn't do it just like that. But over and over and over again, he heals. Over and over and over and over again, he supplies. Constantly, we can't read many pages of this at once without, him, without seeing him do something like this. He takes care of us. In the Sermon on the Mount, remember what he said. Don't worry. Don't worry. Look at the birds of the air. I'm taking care of them. Look at the flowers. I'm taking care of them. I'm giving them beauty. You don't have to worry. And then he makes the comment. The Gentiles worry about that stuff. The people who who don't know anything about me, who aren't expecting me, they worry about that stuff. You don't need to worry about that stuff. You seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these other things will be added to you as well. The stuff that you need, it's going to be okay. Don't you understand? Don't you see what I've been doing? As you read his word, don't you understand? Oh, sometimes we are so much like those disciples we can read it and it just right over our head and in some in some cases it, it goes over our head so much that we just quit don't quit don't quit keep reading it keep seeing the way he provides keep seeing the way that he supplies i was reading this week about the lord's visitation to abram and sarai do you remember that story The three angels come, and one of them, the angel of the Lord, probably the Lord Jesus, pre-Bethlehem. Amazing. And he tells them, hey, this time next year, I'll come by here, and Sarah's going to have a baby. (laughs) Abram thinking about himself. And Sarah, she said, that is not happening. And what did the angel say? Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. That wasn't just for her. That statement, that was for us. That was for all of us who read this word. Nothing is impossible for God. He's going he's gonna to provide somehow. He's going to take care of us somehow. He's going to do this. He gives us this so that we can know that, so that we can face whatever we've got to face. 
We don't know. We don't know what that's going to be. Some of us are facing some stuff right now that nobody else knows about. God knows about it. He, we we sang it this morning. He's not late. He is right there. He is right there with you. If you believe in him, he's in you. And he is in you right now for this very purpose. Not only is he going to live up to his, his contract with us, as Bill mentioned, as Bill Thompson mentioned this morning, the down payment that once we believe in the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into us partly as a down payment reminding us that we're going to have eternal life. But he does something else beyond being a down payment for us. Beyond reminding us that we have eternal life, he also ministers to us in our need to help us through. You saw in one of the songs this morning, we had the verse set up here, Romans 8, 28. For we know that in all things, God works together for good for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. He does this. This is what he does. This is for us. This is not just for these, these very special people. Remember, these very special people, They were people just like us. We're just like those disciples. I can't believe we forgot the bread. We just had seven baskets full. And we forgot the bread. That's just like us. It's just like our comedies that that are going on around in our, in our homes and in, in groups of friends. Don't you understand? I've got this. I've got this. And remember, he's got this for everybody who believes. First for the Jews, we saw that last week. But also for the Gentiles. And aren't we glad? Aren't we glad that even though when the angel came to Joseph to announce the the naming of the son said, you're calling, you're going to call him Jesus. You don't get to choose. You don't get to get the name book out and, and all that kind of stuff. You're naming him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Again, specifically talking about the Jewish people, but praise God. He went way, way further than that. As the old Testament promised, he would, all the way back to the to the first promise to Abram. He said, through your seed, I will bless all the nations of the world. And here we are this morning. Maybe 3,000, 3,500 years, 4,000 years later from that, we're here today blessed by the seed of that man, Abram. Because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and he opened it up for everybody. Everyone, he says, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so it doesn't matter where we came from. It doesn't matter what our bloodline is. It doesn't matter what our parents did for a living. It doesn't matter if we were rich or poor. It doesn't matter if we're male or female. It doesn't matter if we're young or old. It doesn't matter what language we speak. It doesn't matter if we speak with our mouths or speak with our hands. It doesn't matter. He says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everybody. No matter what. No matter who. No matter how. He did this for us. And this is a loud statement of it. Doing the work that he did in the Decapolis. This area of 10 towns on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, some a little bit north and some a little bit south. These towns that were built started, they were started by the the ministry of Alexander the Great in providing a place for people to live in the Palestine area that didn't want to live with the Jews because they were really weird. To the Greeks, the Jews were really weird. And they, and they were appalled by the practice of circumcision. Appalled. And they didn't want to live with them. So so Alexander the Great started making other towns for Gentiles to live in, in the area. And then it continued, even in the Roman Empire, where these ten towns were built up. Totally different from Israel. Totally different from the Jewish people. 
But Jesus goes there on purpose anyway. And it's a reminder of his reach. His, his wide, wide reach. And it's not just for people like us here in America. As, as Ron Hagler mentioned in praise to God for the way that the Lord blessed us so that we could bring offerings to Midway Community Church, that we can also be involved in continuing to reach people all around the world, Jews and Gentiles alike. We get, we're, we get to still be a part of this ministry that Jesus himself started. To, the, to the, some of the hardest to reach places, some of the most difficult places in the world, we have opportunity to be a part of that through our giving and through our praying, and sometimes even through our going. His reach continues to be broad. That's why we continue to give. That's why we continue to pray. And that's why we continue to give thanks to God for this blessing of being included in his body, in his family. Even though we're Gentiles, it does not matter. It doesn't stop us. And so praise God this morning. Do we understand? Do do we get it? Well, remember... We're not going to keep getting it. We're going to, we're going to be just like the disciples. Remember, they're, they're given as examples for us. We're, we're going to get confused again. But do we get it this morning? Yes. He will take care of us. He is God. He lives in us. And he not only wants to save us, he wants to take us through and turn everything that happens in our lives into something good to make us more and more like his son, the Lord Jesus. He has this, whatever it is. It's not always easy. It's not always pain-free. But he has this. He will do what he said he will do. He can do it because of who he is, and he will do it. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Help us to beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Help us to believe in you. And help us to live it. Not for show. Not for attention. Not for our reputation, but Father, for your glory. Help us to live what we believe, and that includes trusting you for everything. Thank you for showing yourself to be worthy of our trust. Thank you for giving us such a big book with so many stories that remind us of your faithfulness to your people. You know those of us who are doubting that right now. Not your faithfulness to your people in the book. Your faithfulness to us, to me. And so we worry. Help us to understand. Grow our faith as we read your word, as we discuss it together, as we share it. Grow our faith that we will believe. That we won't get caught worrying about the bread. but that we'd recognize that you can handle this, whatever it might be. And Father, for any who are here this morning or with us online who don't know you, who don't have this confidence that you expected your disciples to have and that you expect us to have because they don't have faith in you yet, we pray that you would give them that faith, that you'd give them that courage, that wisdom to say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I need you. I need you to forgive me. I need you to guide me. I need you to make my life count for you. Help me. Heavenly Father, help them realize that you 
will save every single one of us who call out to you. Give them that faith to do so. And Father, for those of us who have that faith, even if it's just as small as a mustard seed, thank you. Thank you for being who you are, for living in us, and for promising to give us everything that we need and that you'll turn everything into good as you grow us into the image of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray this morning. Amen. Well, the praise team is going to come now. We're going to sing one more song of praise to this worthy God.